there, welcome back. I hope you've enjoyed the previous two episodes. The one with circular denim designer Sina Steidinger and the one with human rights expert Rachel Castillo. I'm still so very impressed by these women and how they are contributing to a more sustainable and even regenerative textile industry. Today I'm adding another woman to that list, Kimberly van der Waal. She's CEO of Wolcott, a family-owned business that's been in circular textiles for decades already. In this episode, Kimberly shares her mission and vision, why she didn't want to work in the family business at first, and the moment that she decided that this very family-owned business was her way to make a big difference in the world of sustainable textiles. This episode is just as the previous two episodes recorded at the Circular Textile Days in a Leaf camper van. So there will be some noise in the background. Enjoy! Okay, top. Yeah. Um, so, um, thank you for being here. Um, I uh, would like to know who you are and what you do. Yes, well, I'm Kimberly van der Waal. I'm fourth generation in family-owned business Wolcott. We are a textile recycling company specialized in post-consumer textiles. We collect, sort, recycle, respin, and reweave uh, post-consumer textiles collected from municipalities and retailers. Nice. And do you do that? Uh, do you do everything within the Netherlands? No, we uh, we don't do everything in the Netherlands. Um, most of our uh, operations are in Morocco, in Tangiers, in the north of Morocco. Um, that's where we have been established uh, for over 30 years already. Ah, okay. So that 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 has been it has been like that also before you stepped into the company. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I've been in the company for 10 years now, mm-hmm. but. I, w- I was physically present. <laughs> I didn't make the decision, but I was already yeah, born when uh, my father made the decision to uh, outsource the operation to Morocco. Morocco. And he found the right partner back there. Yeah. yeah. So I've read on uh, the Volcott website that you initially wasn't really feeling like joining the company. No, that's <laughs> correct. Yeah. <laughs> Why was that? Oh, yeah. Well... I think as a child of an entrepreneur, you're not always very keen on going into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, because you see all the sacrifices that your my father and mother as well have to make. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, you're so full of what you hear and see every day in your family. Because if you're a family-owned business, it's it's run through the whole system of your family yeah so i was like no i don't want that in my future uh, yeah so I, i wasn't keen on on joining at first no nope, and then all. i read you went abroad and things changed yes i was in indonesia and especially in uh, jakarta wow i saw so much waste and mm. there was so much also textile and and just filth and 
I was just shocked. And it's really weird because I grew up between rags. We grew up across from the factory. So I was so aware of this problem already. I grew up with it. But then when I saw it laying on streets and later, uh, it started in Jakarta, but later I also went to India and I was just in awe and I just thought, no, no, I, 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 I have this opportunity uh, because my dad asked me around that time if I, if I could join the company. And I, I thought, well, I have this opportunity to do something about it and why not? I mean... Mm-hmm. I can try it, and um, well, here we are, a decade yeah. later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was re- really a moment that the problem struck you. Yeah, yeah. That it, it really spoke to you in in a different way than just yeah. the rags across the street. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's the same with all. I think it's just with all things that your parents tell you or try to teach you especially when you're a teenager or in your early 20s you're like no I know everything better or yeah I don't want to hear this and then all of a sudden you see the problem yourself and there's no way back yeah. from there um, and once you dive into that knowledge and you you're so sucked into it you there's yeah you're just you're grateful actually that this is a part of your family and a part of your DNA yeah. that you're able to, to to solve this and to help the problem that we've all uh, created. Yeah. yeah. So um, there's this theme today at the main stage about, um, yeah, why we do what we do, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also something that I would want to weave into these conversations. Mm-hmm. So I really like what you shared about how you got kind of inspired really to to step into the company but what uh, what do you think is important in the values of Wolcott uh, that makes you get up every day and try to solve this or be part of the solution mm-hmm. what's very important to me personally is that I see that we develop this technique develop this system and try to create more of an ecosystem Mm -hmm. than there is now now there is a linear system Mm -hmm. but we need to go towards a circular system Mm -hmm. and that's what makes me get up every day and also makes me want to fight i uh, we've we've already had a lot of setbacks in the last decade and my father even more in the four decades that he has been working in the company because we are trying to create a raw material from discarded textile that has been washed and worn and damaged and, and you know, that's not reusable anymore. So in that sense, trying to treat this as a raw material is virtually impossible. We are trying to, to do that uh, the best we can. I think we've come a long way um, and now I'm trying, yeah, to fight, not fight, maybe collaborates is a better word with the rest of the system to try and see them you can use this as a raw material we we don't need to use everything from virgin materials or yeah so so that's what makes me get up every morning because i believe in it so much and Mm -hmm. i know i know it can be done Mm -hmm. uh, 
in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. So you were also at this uh, round table in uh, The Hague, right? In um, yeah. uh, where they discussed obviously like EPR legislation and um, and we're also here talking about hurdles and obstacles mm -hmm. and so what is if you if you had to name one or two I don't care mm -hmm. uh, of the biggest obstacles you are facing right now um, what would that be um, I I think the current one of the current biggest obstacles is to get to get people look further than virgin material or specifications it, it's it's not a virgin material post consumer waste mm -hmm. and it will never be mm -hmm. um, and of course we want to make a good and sustainable product but it requires a different framework mm -hmm. And a different business case. That's also a problem. Uh, we are already working at a large scale. And like I mentioned in that talk as well in Parliament, we're not, we're not on a level yet where we are doing mass production or millions and millions of, of yardage or, or kilos of yarns. So there is some green premium, I always call it. And that's, that's the thing that not everyone is willing to to pay and they're afraid of changing their business model and of course I understand they have to deal with shareholders and everything uh, but that's 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 probably the main obstacle that we are facing now because the pro product is is really nice and it's not that people don't want to buy the products uh, but sometimes there's a small specification that's off and then it's already an excuse um, to not use it or, mm -hmm. uh, or the margin target is not being achieved with yeah. by 5% difference or sometimes even 10 but then it's like oh no another excuse so mm -hmm. we'll just stick to virgin yeah and and what and i always think i i'm really curious how you look at that because i always think it's so funny that we compare the new world if you say so like the more circular world mm -hmm. we wa we want to create to do, to what we already have yeah it's like it's it's as if everything needs to stay the same yeah. but then with a more green like a greener uh label on it yeah. right but we it's like as if we're not uh, creative anymore yeah Th that's totally true. It's so weird. It right? is. I mean, why why should why should the f the the fabric of a blouse why why should it be the exact same thing when you have it recycled? Yeah. Why can't it be just a recycled fabric? Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with that? I, I don't know. I think it's uh, scary. <laughs> yeah. Because the there is a lot of money. Uh, and made and business generated with the current system so changing that system might be scary and I think it also has to do with compliance um, in, in many many on many levels um, yeah so so that's why also I hope and know that legislation will definitely be helpful uh, for 
more recycled products in the markets. Yeah, yeah. And and then, of course, the EPRs coming yeah. almost in place. Yeah. Do you think that will do enough? No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, EPR is one piece of legislation, but it does not close the loop. Uh, because there's no, for example, no mandatory recycled contents in the EPR. There are no targets for that. So we can have a recycling target, but what products do the, pro the does the recycled content need to be in? And that's where eco-design comes in. Uh, on European level, there are many pieces of legislation also upcoming. Uh, and mandatory recycled content is one of them thankfully uh, so it needs to be a framework of legislations and also funding financing new business models yeah 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 because when you read the EPR I I can't help but but think like it's so easy to find the holes in here yeah right yeah it definitely is I mean there yeah. are There are many holes for big companies to be just doing what they already did. Yep. And don't change much or anything. Yes, and there's also, I think, um, what I think the main problem with this EPR is, except for the mandatory recycled content not being in there, is also that it focuses so much on the collection of textiles and some targets um, but it's not working towards a more circular and no. sustainable textile industry no yeah the, yeah just collecting textiles is not enough no uh, i hope it will support more local reuse mm -hmm. i think that's really good mm -hmm. about the epr but i'm not sure i mean the product needs to be there as well yeah Yeah. yeah, and do you think you know when I when I uh, try to experiment with maybe some bold thoughts on how we could change the system? I often think that what would happen if we would just say you cannot get any, for example, polyester into the country anymore. You just can't. We just say. From this day on, the Netherlands is closed for polyester. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I I like your way of thinking. I, I love <laughs> I love bold thinkers. No, it, um, I I do. I think polyester has good and bad things. Oh, by the way, but I totally I totally agree. And I don't and I don't think we should. It should be polyester necessarily, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know, for example, with let's say you cannot bring anything into the country, any garment that's made from more than two materials in a mix. Yeah, oh, for example. Yeah, just a, something, just a statement. Yeah, and just to make I sure think that, that we that's have this a great idea. baseline of quality, right? Yeah, and that yeah. you know what to work with, also. As well, yeah, because that's the thing. Everyone thinks about. Uh, A sort of a, a product but no one thinks about the end of life of it and it, it is really hard to think about there's a balance between having an, a durable and recyclable product yeah so it it is it's it's a fine line to be honest uh, for, but for that, that? 
Well, because a durable product is usually really strong and、mm-hmm. hard to recycle, but a recyclable product is、uh, usually untangled a lot easier and dissolve or dissolves a lot easier than a durable product. So there, like, it's a fine line. I think you can have both, but、yeah. it needs to be.、Uh, Good collaboration, and that's also something that's sometimes lacking in this industry. Yeah,、um, I do see a lot of very positive things happening. By the way, I don't want to be too negative. No, 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 <laughs> I don't.、Uh, no, I totally agree on that, and I think there's there is a lot of there are a lot of good things happening yeah. Yeah. for sure. But okay, to to frame it more positively, how do you think we can improve collaboration? Um, I think. EPR can improve collaboration if the system is、uh, right, meaning that producers fund fund the system,、mm-hmm. and the system is then in a collaborative way set up together with collectors, sorters, recyclers, but also other parts of the value chain like、uh, spinners, weavers,、uh, designers. And they're all—it's a whole different ball game. Each、mm-hmm. each of the steps that I've mentioned,、um, but we, they need to sit together, yeah,、um, because everyone has their own interests.、Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I'm being really green here,、uh, the main interest needs to be environment,、mm-hmm. and that's something that needs to come first at everyone's list.、Mm-hmm. I understand, you know, I'm we're we're、uh, we're a business as well, so I do understand all the other things. But if you really want to think outside the box and really move this forwards, I think that's that could be a great way to use、um, EPR. But it's also, you know, you can discuss if if you put the environment first, you put yourself second. I don't think so. If we put the environment、mm. first, we put ourselves first. And、yeah. what we're doing right now is putting—I don't know what we're putting first, really. Money, <laughs> money always, yeah. Or you know something like that. But、yeah. it's not—that's not putting ourselves first because we're kind of we're kind of ending ourselves <laughs> right now. Yeah, the way we're doing things. I think that's the—it's—it's it's funny actually because my father started really believing in recycled materials. Through because he his thinking was really simple actually he he was he grew up in the sixties and seventies and then in the eighties he started working and he started thinking okay this pumping of this oil and this is just doesn't make sense it has to end sometimes and not at all from an environmental perspective or something just for him it was just a logical. Thinking, wow, this natural resource is gonna—it's gonna stop at some day. So I think we need to do something to minimize the use of natural resources. Whether it, now it's of course called synthetic, but you know it still comes from from the earth. So he—that's and that's just amazing when you think of that. How much sense it made already in the '80s to build a business on that belief, thinking、mm-hmm. that. Someday will end. We cannot continue like this.、Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's what 
is really is the foundation of the company that we are today. Mm -hmm. And it's from a from a business perspective as mm -hmm. well. Yeah, of course. Believing I mean, in that. We yeah. only to we, we only to like pay mortgages and rent and eat, yeah. of course. So yeah. we need to include that too. Exactly. But when we when like your dad we put the environment first or we just think of the sense making fact that we that yeah. we that yeah. we can do this endlessly. No. Then uh, then it makes sense to put the environment first, but then at the same time we put ourselves yeah. first and we can actually make business yeah. in that of course. in that way or yeah. by by doing that. So for Wolcott where what is like the big dream you have right now for let's say 10 years from now wow 10 years from now um if that's too far you can also do five <laughs> <laughs> i always try to think one year ahead oh that's, that's also maximum. fine yeah no in one year we will have a new factory mm -hmm. uh, in morocco tripling our spinning capacity so i i hope and think that uh, there will be a lot more post-consumer yarns incorporated in products. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in five years, I hope that there will be a more collaborative environment and that we will not be having 40 degree summers. <laughs> but because in five years, because that's why I always think in one year terms, because I, it feels like time's ticking faster mm -hmm. than, mm -hmm. than solutions are coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I hope in 10 years there's a beautiful ecosystem where collectors, sorters, recyclers, mechanical recyclers, chemical recyclers are, you know, created this ecosystem where textile waste can circulate in. Mm -hmm. and, and it starts, you know, at the beginning at creating better products that mm -hmm. we need less of them, having a longer reuse, repair, international reuse, mechanical recycling, chemical recycling, and then getting it back into the loop. I'm not saying we should rule out virgin material at all, or uh, altogether, but I think if there's an ecosystem where you use as much raw secondary raw material as we can, mm -hmm. that I hope to be part of that system in mm -hmm. 10 years and that we will get there together, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> So, thanks for listening. I want to thank Kimberly for giving us an insight in this large-scale and also international business. You can find more about Wolcott on all different platforms. I will share them all in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Please share and subscribe if you like the podcast so more people can find it. My name is Rosa Scholtens. I work in the field of circularity and textile innovation on multiple projects for a more sustainable future. You can find more about my work on my website and Instagram. I will put all the important links and information in the show notes. This podcast is edited by Jeppe van Gestre from Spot on Sound Studio. Are you interested in becoming a friend of the show or sponsor for this podcast? Please get in touch. Bye!